Chapter Seven of Riolaro, the Archipelago of Exiles by Godfrey Swevin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Social Customs. The first time that I went to a high rank social entertainment of theirs, I broke into a hearty laugh at the spectacle as I entered but i came to regret my imprudence there were the select of the marble city including the royal family turning catherine wheels round the room in pairs to the sound of quick music even fat old dowagers with bombasted breeches kept up the frantic exercise the perspiration pouring from their brows it was a large room lit with hundreds of lamps and round it again and again each pair had to roll and as i looked at the stately nobles and dames head downwards my thoughts turned back to the street arabs of my native land and their cry stand on my head for a penny and i burst again into a laugh my guide and introducer ignored the first but at the second he turned round on me with questioning surprise i was soon sobered and turned away to smother my amusement another friend came up to greet me and he at once burst into loud admiration of the scene was it not noble it was the finest flower of all art to see the most beautiful and high-blooded men and women letting their souls forth in harmony glowing with colour and life surely this was the sight of sights it was the very poetry of motion what grace what beauty and roundedness of calf was it not joy to see the fair twinkling feet in the air and in a moment so the solid floor again pair with pair it was indeed the music of the spheres this revolution of the extremities round the centre of gravity it was a copy of the motion of the great universe sex with sex in unison pointing alternate hand and feet to the zenith where else in the world could such a spectacle be seen i acknowledged with as much gravity as i could command that i had never seen anything like it and i must concede that after a time the whirl of bodies as the music quickened half intoxicated my judgment and made me almost long to join in the general somersault the rhythm of so many feet and heads flying through the air fired my blood to fever heat and as i looked on my sense of the absurdity of the scene entirely disappeared i became a partisan of the exercise and could see nothing but grace and harmony in it i felt almost ashamed of my burst of laughter though afterwards when i retired to my hostelry and cooled down the sense of incongruity returned and i laughed heartily at the memory of haughty aristocrats standing on their heads and the legs of shrivelled dowagers revolving like spokes of a wheel i found on inquiry that a considerable portion of their youth was spent in acquiring ease at this indoor exercise women especially gave the best of their days and nights to falalaru the name by which they called this art of rhythmical gyration for they found it was their best means of ingratiating themselves with the promising young men and most of the resolves to marry were formed in the meetings for falalaru it was said by some physicians to produce certain common diseases but the gilded society held that it was productive of health they knew so from their own experience 
even the old men and women with grey hair and shrunken shanks kept up the exhausting exercise for to leave it off was universally considered the sign of approaching age it had been introduced by a monarch who had suffered from vertigo and st vitus's dance but tradition had hallowed it and poetry had surrounded it with romance and now it would have been like tearing up the roots of society to abolish it another custom that was considered almost sacred tried my nerves still more the men usually wore a bamboo behind their right ear and whenever they were at leisure and as often when they were not they would take it out and fill one end with the dried leaves of a vile plant called kuananu not unlike coprosma and in smell pure asafetida and lighting it stick the other end into one of their nostrils every expiration of breath sent forth a cloud of smoke and every inspiration drew some of it in but they had grown so expert in the practice that they could always prevent it getting into the mouth or the throat even when they were talking vigorously the smell was something intolerable and reminded me of burning heaps of rubbish and manure in their more candid moods and when they were not themselves engaged in the practice they acknowledged the likeness especially on going into the lower quarters of the city for there in order to produce the fashionable flavour and smell the kuanu sellers were accustomed to steep broad leaves in mire for a time and drying them make them up as kuanu nay some of the poor when they could not afford to buy the leaf openly stuck pieces of dried earth into their bamboos and lit them and many of them adhered to the practice when they were better off preferring the flavour and smell to those of the fashionable leaf i was surprised at the agonies the young men underwent in learning the loathsome habit such nausea and pallor and misery overspread their whole frame and it was only by the loss of all delicacy of smell and taste that they at last mastered the loathing and qualms no refined senses could live within reach of the smoke it was undoubtedly one of the acts of heroic stoicism on the part of the nation they assured me that it was one of their disciplines for the subjugation of the body but it acted as most of their disciplines did in an altruistic way it had destroyed the fine sensations of the kuananuers themselves but their neighbours who had not learned and especially women suffered daily the agonies of disgust and the agonies were undergone without a murmur nay with a smile upon the face for the practice was almost universal amongst the highest class and in the royal family the origin was difficult to get at but it seems that in some past age a number of the younger sons of aristocratic families had gone out in search of adventure and during a period of great straits they had learned from a tribe of savages to eat and burn kunanu in order to subdue the pangs of hunger when they got food at last they felt proud of an accomplishment that they had learned with so much agony and as they ceased to suffer from it they brought it home with them amongst other practices copied from the wild men their wonderful adventures made them the fashion and all the youths set themselves to copy this the most striking of their habits counting it as the truest mark of manliness and courage having acquired it with so much suffering and difficulty 
they would not easily give it up when it had ceased to disgust them when kuanooning they would sit silent with dignity whilst others talked and it gave them a certain semblance of superiority to others as they kept the red in their cheeks whilst others around them who did not use the bamboo grew pale and sick they felt masterful and heroic as they kuanooed like the voyager who can resist the approach of seasickness when his fellows succumb so the habit carried with it a certain overbearing rudeness and want of consideration for others generation after generation of youth had come to count it as the distinctive mark of manhood and having learned the practice with great suffering they could not forego the sense of triumph over those who had not learned it they were the braves of the nation not to bamboo was a sign of womanliness and delicacy of feeling and men who indulged such refinement and weakness ought to be disciplined along with the women they were intolerant with their fine sensations the world would not be worth living in if they had their way it was time something was done to bring them into order and these kuanoers felt most heroic and manly as they followed their loathsome practice and most of the women endured their stinking breath and clothes and the agonies of nausea and headache in silence or rather with the pretense that the habit was most delightful there was something in what they said that it soothed the men and put them into better humour for when a canooner had a bamboo in his nose he wore a self-complacent smile he felt manly and superior without the expenditure of any effort his vanity was flattered of course a number who did not bamboo showed that the leaf acted as a poison and slowly sapped the health but scientific kuanoers replied that small doses of the poison killed nothing but the germs of disease they bambooed for the good of the public they were the national sanitarians and fumigators it showed how patriotic they were when they persevered in the practice though they knew it was intended to destroy the germ of manners as well as of diseases these kuanoers were the most self-denying of philanthropists End of chapter 7